0: Hey, so today we are concluding our series on the coming of the comforter. It's already just about time where ideally I would like to be concluding. So we're going to do this express style. Um, maybe there's a little bit of a ring. I don't know if it's too high here. Um, the coming of the comforter part six. And something that I'm trying to do whenever we conclude a sermon series is just to you know, allow our hearts to be brought to a point of decision. So if there's something that God has moved upon your heart to do or to just kind of demonstrate your commitment to Him, um, I would encourage you, go ahead and do that. Um, I will make a couple of appeals here at the end, just uh, to get your minds and hearts thinking on that. So, we've been talking about the coming of the Comforter, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Uh, last week, we, you know, we were kind of reflecting on how the Holy Spirit is, is spoken of or at least his work is spoken of in terms of wind, and how wind is not something you can see, but its effects you can definitely see, right? And so last week, you know, we were thinking about these things, um, the invisible activity of the Holy Spirit that creates a very visible impact in our lives. Last week, we were focusing on the the invisible dynamics of that. This week, we're going to focus on the very visible things. Maybe you remember this verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then what does the next part say? You shall be my what? Witnesses, or witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever actually been a witness, uh, like called to court, to, to witness at the stand, you know, to tell your story, basically, right? A witness is someone who has a story, to tell. And here according to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we are told that it's when the Holy Spirit actually comes upon you that then you have a story to tell. A story to tell about what or about whom? According to this, it's you shall be witnesses to me, right? Jesus is speaking, he says, "Hey, you're going to have a story to tell about me." In other words, when the Spirit comes upon us, we witness of him, we bear a testimony, we reveal Jesus. And the question I want to ask today is, how do we reveal Jesus? What are the the visible ways that we reveal Jesus? I heard a story once of a girl who is sitting through church next to her grandma, quietly working on her coloring activities and stuff while the preacher was was waxing eloquent. And the the, the little girl hears something that the preacher says, and she turns to her grandma and says, Grandma, did the pastor just say that, that Jesus wants to live in our hearts and grandma whispers quietly and says yes yes jesus wants to live in us she keeps coloring keeps coloring and then she turns to grandma and says grandma isn't jesus bigger than us (laughs) and grandma getting kind of annoyed at this point says yes dear yes dear just just use your ears not your mouth and then she says well if he's bigger than us and he wants to live in us won't he show through right won't he show through this little girl was on to something because when jesus truly does live in us when christ is in us the hope of glory when the holy spirit takes residence in our hearts he does he does show through and so how does he do that i would say biblically speaking there are two main ways that god shows through that his presence shows through through the holy spirit and how is that it's through the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit have you heard of these before The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to launch into these things for a couple of moments here together, but I just want us to remember that fruits and gifts, oftentimes we think of the fruit of the Spirit, we think of the gifts of the Spirit, and we actually want to cultivate these things. We want to hone these things. We'll get to the fruit in just a little bit, but maybe you remember some of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? And we, we want to become these things, but I want us to remember that all of these things, fruit and gifts, They are byproducts of Jesus taking residence in our hearts. They are not byproducts of our effort. They're byproducts of Jesus actually taking residence in our hearts. And so uh, let's go to uh, Galatians together. If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, we're going to go to Galatians to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And then when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we'll go to 1 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 5 is where we want to go. Galatians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. It's after, uh, you know, you've got your Romans, Corinthians. It's after the Corinthians, Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to take a look at verses 22 and 23. We'll start talking a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit. When you're there, say amen. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. And the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace long-suffering which is another word for patience or endurance kindness goodness faithfulness verse 23 gentleness self-control against such there is no law in other words when you're exhibiting these things there's no breaking of the law involved there the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control man i thought about bringing some of our our peaches that have been ripening um on our our counter but i didn't think that would be very kind for you guys if i were the only one eating (laughs) them. and uh what i love about fruit is um i guess a few things that i love about fruit fruit first of all is sweet Right? Or I guess it depends when you pick the fruit and where you pick the fruit, but generally speaking, there's a refreshing experience when you partake of fruit. Right? Think about your favorite fruit just for a moment. Let your mouth water just for a little bit. <laughs> fruit is sweet, it's refreshing, but you know what else fruit is? Fruit is not for the tree, right? Fruit is not for the tree, it's for everyone else around the tree. In other words, fruit is generally speaking, at its core, it's others-centered. Yeah, Fruit is sweet. Fruit is others-centered. You know what else fruit is? It takes time. Fruit involves a process. Fruit involves some growth. And so when, when God is talking to us, saying, hey, when the Holy Spirit resides in your heart, He's actually talking about a fruit-bearing experience that is a growth process. It's a process of maturation, which I think... You know, 2 Corinthians actually kind of hints at this process as well. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, right? It's not, a, it's not instant cocoa that once you add water, there it is, right? It's, it's something that is continually happening, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by who? It's by the Spirit, of the Lord. So when the Holy Spirit fills us, we are in a process of growth and maturity of becoming more and more like Jesus. I mean, you look at this list, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. I mean, this is this is Jesus himself, right? Patience, kindness, all these things. And as he's growing us as we are in this process of maturation, guess what's going to happen? You and I will have a refreshing, sweetening impact In the lives of those around us. Starting within our home circle, in our neighborhoods, and outside of that, He grows us so we can have a refreshing impact in the lives of others. We become a blessing and a benefit for others. We are not self centered, but other centered. And that's how we reveal Jesus. We show His love through our lives so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. And again, this is external evidence of the Holy Spirit working internally. I don't know, in the past, I don't know if this has ever crossed your mind, but in the past, I've, I've looked at this love, joy, peace, and I'm thinking, man, I just, I just want to be more joyful. I want to be more peaceful and I'll think about ways that I can kind of almost self-help myself towards more kindness, more patience, right? More self-control or goodness. But I want us to, rem- to just to remember that fruit is something that is a byproduct of what the Holy Spirit is already doing in us. It's not that we do it ourselves. In fact, if you look just here in Galatians, if you look at Paul's runway leading up to the fruit of the Spirit, just go with me to the previous chapter here. uh, Chapter 4, verse 6. This is actually really, really cool. Chapter 4, verse 6. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, And because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Oh, man, man. man. Just, Just let this sink in just for a little bit, because Paul has just been talking about how, hey, you are not slaves. You're not slaves to the law. You are adopted as sons and daughters of God through Christ. It says, because you are sons, because of this identity, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. In other words, the spirit assures our hearts that we are God's children. Do you remember last week we were talking about the internal work of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He convicts us. But you know what the Holy, El- the Holy Spirit does also? He seals our hearts in a secure relationship with Jesus, reminding us that we are not in bondage to fear, but that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit primarily wants us to know, through it all, even through the seven last plagues, as we were talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit being poured out in laterane power prior to the second coming, He wants us to know of a certainty that we are sons and daughters of God. And it's because of this That Paul says, hey, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, to redeem those who are under the law. And then in verse 6, he sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts so that we would keep crying out, Abba, Father. But notice in in chapter 5, the the beginning of chapter 5. This is so awesome. Chapter 5, verse 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. Good, good, good. Okay, you've got to see this. Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Um, the verse right before in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love that. But, but Paul is now calling us. He's saying, hey, since you are sons, since you're not saved by the things that you do, but by, by what Christ has done. Since your identity is based not on what you accomplish, but what on, based on what he has accomplished for you. He says, stand fast, therefore, in that liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Skip down to verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of what? Oh, read it with me. For the hope of righteousness by faith. Oh, man. I don't know, there's no way that I can uh, truly adequately just describe the impact of this. It's through the Holy Spirit that we have confidence in Christ's righteousness, and not our own. It's through the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, it's through the Holy Spirit that we cry out to Him as Abba, Father. Even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. In chapter 5, it's through the Holy Spirit that we can rest in the fact that our righteousness, our character comes not by force, but by Faith. This is a freeing reality, Paul is saying. You can stand fast in this liberty. We can stand by the Spirit's power in this identity, this righteousness that is by faith. I want you just to imagine for a moment, what if you constantly lived with the awareness that your worth and significance, not just in other people's eyes, but in God's eyes, was only by God's power alone. How would your life be different if you knew that there was nothing that you could do to make your identity shiny before God? No, no, no. It is only by the Holy Spirit that we eagerly await for a righteousness that is by faith. Just imagine constantly living in that identity. You know what would come out? Love. Joy. Peace, patience, all of these things that Paul talks about as fruit of the Spirit, they're all the result of knowing that my identity is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And it's by the Holy Spirit abiding in our hearts, securing us in this adopted relationship with Jesus that suddenly or maybe I shouldn't say suddenly, that day by day, right, a process of growth and maturation happens where we bear fruit that is more like love and joy and peace. And this is beautiful. When we're looking, I'm sorry, when we're lacking these things, our default response should not just be to try more, but to trust more. (laughs) To seek the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is how, the uh, this is how Christ in us shows through. He shows through, through the fruit of the Spirit. What else? It's also through the gifts of the Spirit. All right. So you're in Galatians. Go to the left. First Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll take a look here, before we wrap up. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter twelve. It's the gifts of the Spirit. And I would say this: that they're, you know, the the. The biblical teaching of spiritual gifts is much more expansive than we will give it here today. I want us to look at just a couple of things from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When you're there, say, "I'm there." I'm awesome. All right. I'll start in verse four. We'll go from four through 11. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses four through 11. And the Bible says, "There are diversities of gifts with the same spirit. Right. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. You kind of get the picture, right? Many gifts, many manifestations, but it's the same Holy Spirit that gives it all. Verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of whom? For the profit of all, right? It's not just for that person, to have the enjoyment of saying, oh, I have the spiritual gift of hospitality. No, 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 that gift is for other people, just like fruit, right? The fruit isn't just for the tree. It's for the benefit of those around. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And finally, verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills man again the 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 teaching of spiritual gifts is is way bigger than just these few moments that we have together but let me just point out two things one when it comes to spiritual gifts or the gifts of the spirit that show jesus there's there's a diversity of them right in fact there's probably three or four main passages in scripture you got first corinthians 12 romans 12 ephesians 4 and maybe even first peter chapter 4 that teach about spiritual gifts. But even in those lists of spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit, I wouldn't say that those are exhaustive lists either. Um, there's a diversity of spirit, I, of spiritual gifts. And if you've ever wondered why that is, let me just share two reasons why I think there, there has to be a diversity of gifts of the Spirit. One, because the needs of humanity are so diverse, the gifts of the Spirit that reveal Jesus needs to be diverse. Right? Different people respond to different things. Different people need a different revelation of Jesus. And that's why there has to be many parts to the body of Christ, so to speak. The other thing I would say is, because the spiritual gifts reveal Jesus, and because Jesus is so infinite, <laughs> then there needs to be many, many gifts. Right? Because Jesus is so beautiful, because His grace is so diverse and infinite, we need a diversity of gifts. In fact, I think this is what Peter is hinting at in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards or good managers of what precisely? What do you see here? Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. Man, that word manifold is, I guess, another way to understand that would be... Um, Many-colored, right? Varying degrees of the grace of God. Or varying shades, we'll say. Varying shades of the grace of God. Interesting, that word manifold only shows up ten times in Scripture. Eight of the ten times, it's usually referring to various things of a negative nature. (laughs) Various diseases, right? Uh, Various lusts, various teachings or false teachings, various temptations or trials... All these things, uh, normally speaking, or at least in the eight out of the ten times, all of these things are sa- are things that Satan throws at us, or that we, in our human weakness, we kind of stir things up for ourselves, various in various ways. And the reality is that sin and, and struggle and the things that we go through in life—they are manifold, they are various, they are nuanced and complex. But what I love about First Peter is that it's not just our diseases that are various. It's not just our sins and trials and temptations that are various. You know what else is various or manifold? God's grace is manifold, right? Why is that? Because as much as sin abounds in manifold complexity, so does God's grace abound in manifold power to seek and save the lost. Man, where our need was so messed up and complex, god's grace is even more so (laughs) even more so manifold various colored because god's grace is that way the gifts were given or the gifts that we use to reflect god's grace that's why those are manifold as well the point is that the uniqueness and variety of our gifts are skillfully designed to meet the complexity of the diverse needs in our world that's pretty awesome (laughs) that's pretty not just god's grace is designed to meet the needs of humanity your gifts and mine are specifically designed to meet the various needs of this broken world that's why there's a diversity of gifts first corinthians 12 makes a really big point of that there's a diversity of gifts differences of differences of ministries and activities But the other point that I think is is really big from 1 Corinthians 12, it's there in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Each one. In other words, all who are filled with the Spirit, all who have allowed the Spirit to teach us, convict us, assure us, and seal us, all who have allowed the Holy Spirit to take residence in our lives, all of us will exercise individually, we will exercise a unique gifting of the Holy Spirit. Every member of the body of Christ is uniquely empowered by the Spirit of the living God to reveal the beauty of God's manifold grace. And I think this is a really big deal. I don't know, I mean, several of you are... Hopefully all of us are, are privy to this reality that recently I've been asked to take on responsibility not just for Castle Rock Church, but also for Woodland Park and beginning actually technically today, this month, August, um, Colorado Springs South. And um, the reality is that, that ministry doesn't depend upon one hired pastor, right? And while, while, yeah, this is a significant role, I don't want to downplay that role, My role truly is to help each member find their role in the ministry of God's kingdom. And so, again, each one is gifted uniquely to reveal the beauty of the Spirit. And here at Castle Rock, I hope that we can make it as easy as possible for every one of us to be meaningfully involved, joyfully involved. And I know, let me just give a shout out to those who who continue to serve um, even, man, in these strange days of COVID and stuff, your volunteerism, your giving of your time and energy, for those of you who have already found roles in in our church ministries and stuff, you've been making eternal impact. And I know it's been strange and hard, but God is good through you, and you're revealing the manifold grace of God. And it's it's our hope and prayer that, that those who become part of this community would find a place where they themselves can not just reveal God's grace, but in revealing God's grace, actually experience that grace even more. Yeah. So, we'll do this as the, uh, I think it's in verse 11, right? As He wills. The Holy Spirit does this. It's not through our own ambition that we take these things upon ourselves. It's as the Holy Spirit assigns it. As we wrap up, I just want to share this one last picture. When the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit truly are demonstrating Jesus in the life of the church, this is the picture that we'll see. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Bible says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. This is at the very end of of Revelation. right? After all of the things have transpired from the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven plagues, the seven trumpets, all these kinds of things, man, at the end of the day, what Jesus is revealing about himself is a simple invitation. Come. And how does he reveal that invitation. It's through the Spirit and who else? And the bride. Question, who is the bride? God's bride. God's church, right? His people. And how does he do this? It's, it's, it's when the Holy Spirit and God's people fully partnered together. It's a prophetic picture of of extending Jesus' gospel invitation, come. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It's a prophetic picture of God's people partnering with the Spirit until the end of time. Partnering to extend the invitation to come to the water of life. To come to Him who is life. And how do we we extend that invitation? It's as we reveal Him through our fruit and through our gifts. It's as the Holy Spirit secures us in an abiding relationship as sons and daughters of the King that we bear fruit that allows others to taste and see. Oh, the Lord is good. That we exercise gifts that allows others to see, wow, this is what Jesus is really like. It's by revealing Christ's character through the fruit of our lives and displaying his manifold grace through the spiritual gifts in our lives. I want the comforter to come. (laughs) I want the Holy Spirit to take residence in my life and in the life of our church. Three simple appeals as we close this message and this whole sermon series. Appeal number one, will you pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Will you pray? Just ask, ask him to come. Will you pray for the Holy Spirit to work in you and to to work through you? you? Will you pray for the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I hope so. And several of you have already um, asked about reserving books for the 40 days of prayer. We are launching that on August 15, like Doreen said. We've actually got the copies of the books here for you. So before you leave today, if you've already reserved that, or if you, maybe you haven't yet reserved it and you want to, go ahead and sign up. We'll, we'll make sure to have a book for you. We've got the, the box right here. But let's pray for the Holy Spirit. That's appeal number one. Second decision I want us to, to come to is not just to pray for the Spirit, but to partner with the Spirit. That when we ask the Holy Spirit to come and make us a witness through our lives, through the fruit of our lives, through the gifts of our lives, that we would actually be intentional about partnering with Him, that we wouldn't resist the promptings of the Spirit when He's actually saying, hey, go here, or hey, do this. Man, go ahead and partner. (laughs) Partner with Him and, and, and allow the invitation to be heard. Come. Come to the water of life. God wants to lead others to the water of life through your fruit, through your gifts. Last appeal is the appeal of this verse. (laughs) If you're thirsty, just come. Will you come to Jesus? Come to the water of life. If you've never made a decision to say yes to Jesus, if you've never made a decision to receive the gift of salvation he died to give, or maybe you've made that decision and you need to renew that decision and say, yeah, I need to come. Let today be a day of salvation for you. If that's your desire, I mean, uh, we've been talking a little bit with uh, some of our friends here. Um, Maybe you're on Zoom and this is something that you're thinking about. You actually want to be baptized to signify your decision that says, I've come to the water of life and Jesus is what satisfies me. Um, actually, several of my friends in California, I think there are four individuals that are waiting for my next trip to California so we can baptize them. <laughs> we've got uh, somebody uh, on August 22, one of our friends, Amy, we're praying for her this week. Uh, she'll be baptized on August 22. Um, my, my own kiddos have talked about being baptized and we've set a date for November 14. So so maybe it's not, maybe it's not something that we, you know, we jump into the river today, but you want to be baptized? Hey, let's talk. If you're on Zoom, let's talk. If you're here today, let's talk about preparing your heart. Maybe you want to recommit and be re-baptized. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is, is laying upon your heart. Let today be a day of salvation. Come. Come to the water of life. All right. Hey, let's bow our heads together as we, we close. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are the God who speaks. You're the God who invites. And today... We want it to be a day of salvation. All of us here today, we, we want to come. Whether we've made the decision before or whether we're making it for the first time, we want to come to the water of life. There's no other source that could truly satisfy the longings of our sin wracked hearts. And so, God, we pray that you would be our Savior and that we would be those through whom the Savior can be revealed. Lord, we pray for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We pray for the 40-day experience that will be starting in a couple of Sabbaths. We pray for those who are making decisions to be baptized or preparing to be baptized. Father, we thank you that these are things that, that you are stirring upon our hearts, and we just want to say yes to you. We don't want to resist the promptings of your leading and guiding in our lives. We pray for each heart, pray for each home in this place. And we ask that you would do a a healing work, a restoring work, and a reviving work this Sabbath day. Because we've prayed in Jesus' saving and precious name. Let the family say, Amen.